All right. Well, this week on the Breaking News and Cracking Brews podcast, we're doing something a little different. No intro music, no over-the-phone interviews, none of that jazz. This is just myself with a bunch of what I would consider first ballot Hall of Famers and the history of my incarnations of podcasts. Uh, I mean, I, all these guys I've had on previous podcasts before, whether it was Breaking News, Cracking Brews, whether it was the Tuesday Morning Skate podcast, whatever, uh, and all terrific guests. So I, I figured... We've got a little bit of time on our hands. Why not get them all together in one giant podcast and have what is uh, basically like a summit for you sports hockey among former players. So uh, looking to get this on YouTube. The podcast is now on iTunes as well. Of course, you can listen to this as well on SoundCloud. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you know exactly who I've got in the chat right now. And you can see them all. I also put up the announcement on Twitter the other day too. But for the benefit of those listening uh, via SoundCloud or iTunes, I have with me on the line today uh, three guys who spent a long time in university hockey, grizzled vets, uh, some may say, and all pretty accomplished in their own rights. And we'll start off with a guy who's a Dr. Randy Gregg Award winner while he was at St. Francis Xavier University, a former OUA and AUS All-Star as well, having done so with McGill and St. FX. Uh, can't undersell this either, an Australian League All-Star with the Sydney Ice Dogs, and to my knowledge is the only player in OUA history to this point, who has his own official fan club, which of course is headed by Brent Sullivan, current assistant coach <laughs> of the Ottawa GGs. Of course, I'm referring to Nathan Charlitti. Nathan, how's it going, buddy? It's been a while since you've been on the ice here, I guess, with the McGill Redmond, but you're still a busy guy these days, right? Yeah, yeah. And one more person adds to that fan club, and Spencer Abraham deserves it too. <laughs> He's texting nonstop. So, but uh, yeah, no, ever since I uh, left for McGill, just short stint there in Australia, which is unbelievable too. And uh, chipping away at the uh, the MD, it, uh, it's quite a process. Yeah, fill us in on your your academic journey because that's you know not something that happens overnight, right? Like this is a pretty long, rigorous process. Are you almost done? Yeah, no, no. Just <laughs> I just like paint tuition. That's all I do now. So the three years undergrad, the two years in my masters, and then it's a four year MD. So I won't have a job until I'm like well into my thirties. <laughs> Well, whatever. Yeah, we're all full of free and We'll get there eventually. We'll get yeah, there eventually. That's the hope anyway. Well, okay, in addition, in addition to Nathan Cherlitty, a guy that's uh, been a teammate of Nathan Cherlitty's, uh, not on a university hockey team, but I believe at the Fiju Games, and someone who was a former RBC Cup top goaltender with the Summerside Western Capitals, of course, a former Oshawa General as well, my hometown team, a CIS Rookie of the Year. That's right, CIS. Uh, that's BR before the rebrand, and a former Laval Rocket backup in the American Hockey League. <laughs> this is the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. Kevin Bailey, the one and only, joins the show today. Kevin, what's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I, I like shooting the hot takes behind the scenes. Maybe I'll have some courage to, to shoot them off uh, on camera here. Um, but yeah, since, since I've finished up at Queens, I've been working in Toronto at a corporate law firm. Um, I'm finishing my articling in June, which is basically like a 10 month probationary period. And uh, I'll go from there. I, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. It's been a change of pace and um, it's been all right. It's been all right so far. Well, for, for what it's worth, guys, the last time I had Kevin Bailey on a podcast, I actually had to cut out small portions <laughs> of it. Uh, they, they were too controversial. But today, I mean, I'm doing this just because I want to. So, I mean, nothing here is off limits. Uh, and I'm sure Kevin cool. Bailey will take full advantage of that. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun today. Excited to have Kevin. But as well, we got two goalies on this. So 
uh, who knows, things might get pretty weird with that in mind. But this guy, I, I mean, his trophy case, he doesn't have it here in the background, but he is representing the state of Arizona quite nicely. But what you can't see is his WHL championship, his OHL championship, his Memorial Cup title, Canada West title, U Sports, uh, U Cup winner as well. Oh, he also won a Spengler Cup in there too. He's the undisputed U Sports champion of champions. Brendan Burke of the University, I guess formerly now an Alberta Golden Bear, right, Brendan? Because you're, you're done with hockey, is that right? Yeah, I'm done. I hung up the axe. Uh, this was my last year. I'm going to finish up. i got two courses I'm taking in spring, which started this week. And, uh, yeah, I'm nervous to be on this podcast, a doctor and a lawyer. I'm, like, as usual, I'm the dumbest guy in the room, so I'll just uh, do a lot of listening. Brendan, you're forgetting I went to Ryerson for sport media. Man. Like, there is no debate. I am the dumbest person in this conversation right now. I mean, look, I, not, not to dwarf you guys, but I was the grade eight class valedictorian. So, I mean, that, that's basically the extent of my accomplishments and, and where they go. But so uh, I can't even smell valedictorian, so. <laughs> that, might, that might be the only thing Berkey doesn't have. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, like I said, an all-star cast today. Thrilled to have you. And you know what? I, I knew we were going to get some hot takes, uh, maybe from all these guys. So I came well prepared with the oven <laughs> today as well so i know that the oven's fired up we're warm and toasty we're ready to get this thing going so basically this is going to be a roundtable discussion today i'm going to bring up some topics about you sports that are maybe a little divisive maybe a little bit polarizing and i want to try and generate a bit of a discussion today on on not just what do we think about these topics but how can we make you sports better and and what direction are we going in so Obviously, all three of these guys have extensive experience in university hockey. They come from really good junior hockey backgrounds as well. So I think there's a lot of knowledge and experience to draw on with today's conversation. So without further ado, Nathan, let's fire things up here uh, with you. I sent you guys a question list yesterday, and we'll, we'll start off with this. You know, we, we talk so much, and you know, your book talks about this too, junior hockey players looking to youth sports and, and giving the league the respect it deserves what can you sports and maybe more specifically some schools do as well to be more marketable to kids in, in junior hockey markets to, to make this a place where players want to play? Yeah, I think a big part of it's just the environment. So uh, we've all been on the, the U S trips and you see the kind of atmosphere that the football games and some of the hockey games can, can bring in. And I think emphasizing those, especially when there's a rivalry game or a derby game. So I'm not sure what it's like out, out West, but, um, you know, when we're Ottawa's playing, say Carlton, big one, uh, like Queens, you guys in the, in the, the, the car, in the car game there against the RMC. And even like at McGill, when we had random games, the carnival classic bales, you play in that one. Yeah. Played in that one. Uh, and they're like, ta- I, I don't know, you, you can tell it better than me, but weren't they taunting you? Like the, the, the students were taunting you and they were chirping you and, Oh, they were get they were getting like information off Facebook and and just making awful signs and it it, it, it was awesome. It was yeah. it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. And like just being ruthless, but that's the kind of environment that as players you really enjoy playing in front of. You know what I mean? So I think there's and, and an I think Nathan, Nathan, I think to your point, not a lot of guys in junior realize that, right? Like when you came in, did did you have any idea like how heated Santa FX and UNB games would be when you came? No. In? no. No, no. And it's a treat, you know, and because there, there's definitely some games that, you know, I'm, I'm sure maybe Brendan when you guys are playing, I don't know, like Manitoba or something like, I, I have no idea if they have fans or not. I'm not sure. And it's not a knock, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> might not be that intense, those SAS but... games were pretty vicious, right, Brendan? 
Yeah. Yeah, those are probably the best. I, I like, I preferred the old rink too. It was like, you had some more fans around top of you, but the new one's obviously gorgeous. But uh, like, I'll only speak for Canada West. Like we have like no fans at most games. Like it's, and there's horrible arenas. Like we get, we get nothing going on. It's just like a lack of funding or I'm, I'm not really sure. Like there's obviously no, you know, we have that one, you guys speak about rivalry games. And like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about these carnival games. Like I've never, we, we have one in, in Canada West since the Crow Child Classic and they, that's the only thing they put money towards is advertising that game. And I think it's 10 to 12,000 people a year at it. And I don't know why we don't do it more. It's the, we do one game out of, you know, 28. That's, uh, that's really promoted and the rest just fly under the radar with, you know, like our, our rink, our rinks here are just like their minor hockey ranks. Like besides us and Sask, it's like this year, I kid you not, we were playing in Mount Royal and our game start time was six which is kind of strange usually they're at seven but you know whatever we get there we're all getting dressed we're getting ready to go on the ice and we kind of start noticing like the zamboni's not on yet and there's like a minor hockey like like the 10 year olds are practicing out there and they double booked the ice we had to wait for 45 minutes <laughs> we got. that's how like low like nobody even knows they're double booking the ice for our games with like you know squirt kids and you're national champions national yeah, we're, sitting there, we're sitting there waiting in like you know a dressing room we're just waiting to go out there and like that's the kind of stuff you get in like out here at west like there's you know nobody even knows like that the game's all booked because nobody's there to watch like nobody knows what's going on like i'm i'm trying to get out like head on the ice and the zamboni's not even on the, the kids are halfway through the practice like it's just uh it's pretty weak out here I, i'm guessing that never happened in portland right no, uh, you know, and, you know, Bales, he knows too, like he's a London Knights alumni, like uh, those are some big league operations and, uh, you know, we do a good job here, U of A, SAS does a nice job, really that's it, uh, it's, you know, our, our league's pretty top heavy out here and just the other ranks, it's just like, it's run like very minor hockey. Right. Well, I, I think the, the OUA in particular, guys, are just on the topic of these specialty games, right? Like the, the Frosty Mug at Guelph is a, a fantastic event that I've had the, the pleasure of going to a couple of times. Obviously, the, the Crochow Classic, Brandon, you mentioned in, in Canada West, for, for my money anyways, is the biggest university hockey event on the calendar. Like, I, I think it's bigger than the, the U Sports National Championship on, on sure. a year basis. It's, it's incredible. And I, I think it's I honestly think it's a disservice we don't have it on, on public television for people to see, right? Because, you know, Kevin, as a junior hockey player, like if you were exposed to, to some of these games and saw the kind of atmosphere you could be playing in, in in university hockey, would that have made a difference in in your interpretation of what the league was? Absolutely, it would have. I, I think I think the the problem, you know, when we're speaking to lack of lack of uh, viewership or fans and stuff, I think I think that kind of falls on the head of U Sports. I think, Gord. Uh, pardon? Gord. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think in my opinion, when just talking to people, it's, it's, U sports kind of has a stigma because it's true. Most U sports athletes are like, you know, that if people are talking about what, what they prefer to watch, people like to watch things at a high level. So if you have a choice, a choice between American Hockey League game and an NHL game, you're going to watch the NHL game. And I think for most people, the perception in Canada is U sports are the, are the people that couldn't go to the NCAA. And for the most part, that's true. That's true for pretty much every sport except for hockey. I know, I, I know you guys played on some awesome teams. I think 95% of the guys I played with could not have only gone to NCAA, but they could have been like a, on a good team or a productive member. And I think that U Sports it isn't cornering 
the market of of having a crown jewel sport. I think I think that they're very afraid of having um, being seen as unequal. They want they want everyone to have a sense of equality in terms of uh, what they market. And there's going to be a, an uproar if 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 one say if um, I don't know volleyball isn't promoted as much as hockey, mm-hmm. but does any does any you know what I mean? I, I think that the problem with this is is just uh, okay. Hockey teams can have one game a year, and we can really market it. But if we if we do that every game, everyone else is going to be upset. And I think that there's a there's a kind of a perception of being seen as unfair, and I think that that's leading to a diminishment in terms of of how we can market this league. Well, okay, I'll put this question out here for everyone. We're already flying off the script, which is great. Uh, I figured that would happen at some point, maybe not this early. But uh, how, how much of it is U sports and how much of it is the conferences and how much is it with the, the schools, right? Like, it, is it a shared re- responsibility? Is there one that, that, should, that you think should have a, a higher balance of power than the other? Like, how should that dynamic in an ideal world work? Yeah, well, I think I think ultimately it falls on the on the individual schools because the schools have access to the rinks, they have access to the social media channels for the student bodies and, and things like that. So I think that it does it does to some extent fall on the schools. Um, I know I know at Queens they they would be terrified of picking a sport to 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 um, promote more than any other sport. They wouldn't want to be seen that way. But then that's what that's where somewhere where the league can step in, and, and the league has has avenues as well to to step up and do it on behalf of people and. It's difficult because we're all isolated, right? Like all of our schools are isolated. So if you're if you're following the U sports stuff or really in tune with it, you're probably already paying attention to your school. Um, so it's a tricky question. I think it, it does fall on a more local level. But maybe, maybe you guys have other thoughts on that. Yeah, I'll just butt in here real quick. Like I just I get kind of frustrated with how us trying to be so fair all the time in U sports. Like you know it's just unfortunate the way it is. Like, you know, we're talking about hockey, even the difference between like, you know, here we have golden bears hockey and pandas hockey, like the men's and women's like, unfortunately, like, you know, they just, they just bring in no fans and there's not like a huge market for it. And you know what, like, like who are we to say like what people like to watch? Like I, I just, I get frustrated that we spend so much time trying to promote uh, stuff evenly when Really, I, I don't know how it's at your schools, U of A hockey, like we're the only sport that's going to bring in fans during a regular season game. Like that, that's it. And nothing else is. So I, I just don't know why we, we waste resources. And I look at NCAA schools, like, you know, obviously we're not like Alabama football, but take them for example. Like you get, you know, they put all their resources in Alabama football and then it ends up, you know, overflowing into the other sports. Like they have unbelievable training facilities and it's all money generated from Alabama football so it's not like they're not going to benefit but just a waste of time like you know I feel bad but like nobody's going to watch wrestling like it's it's just not that popular it's like I I, you know I don't think they should cut those sports but you know I I think all the resources should be going into the money makers which in Canada is mostly going to be men's hockey well, Nathan, you played out in the AUS, right? And, and you know, the, the Maritimes is a little bit different because the, the U Cup, you know, like almost every time it's out there, it, it seems to do extraordinarily well. Like, like hockey, really, university hockey is, is kind of king in the Maritimes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. And, like, I appreciate the balls on, on uh, Brendan there because that's I was thinking it. I was like, oh, man, I wish someone says it. But I completely agree. It's like it's just a, it's a response of society now where everything has to be equal. But yeah, when you're talking about the Maritimes, like I remember some playoff games we heated up. It was awesome. Like our championship game was like three, three deep maybe at our home rank. And those are unforgettable moments. 
But I think it's really like a perfect storm kind of tying in with the other two, with the two attendees set already. Um, you know, you have these uh, in certain schools, you have marketing departments, you have students who are eager to pilot things, to test things, they have big ideas. And it'd be so advantageous, in my opinion, to put those students um, to work, whether it's like a co-op opportunity or, or just engage them. Because if we figured it out, or, or like in our opinions, students are often the ones that are most creative. So giving them that, that opportunity might be just massive. You know what I mean? Like if it's $4 beers or $3 beers or something like that, or dress up, or I don't know, so it, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but um, most of the times those marketing students are just, just geniuses. Well, I've always been of the thought, guys, that that U Sports lives and dies on the students. Like it's the student athletes, it's the fans, you know, and it's it's the co-ops, the, the people that help out. You know, a lot of times game day ops are, are students, right? Like it, it, lives, it really lives and dies uh, by by the students in a lot of different ways. And, and you know, Brendan, we, we talk about a lot of times the alumni and the alumni engagement. And I know you know the Al Alberta Golden Bears, specifically with the men's hockey team, have to have one of the best alumni bases. Uh, in the entire country, but but do you still see it the same way too? Where sure the alumni are are part of it, but getting the student fans out there in the seats is probably the biggest difference maker, right? Yeah, well, like, you know, we do have an unbelievable alumni. We've been lucky to have lots of ex players go on to have really successful careers and in hockey and in business. Like there's you know, there's quite a few wealthy U of A alumni, but they're pulling too much weight. Like they're donating too much money. Uh, there's no reason why you know U of A um like so take the example like we've gone down to the states the last couple of years and we beat the ncaa champion so you know they don't need too much funding from their alumni like i don't, I don't get why we're just we're just missing opportunity and like alberta has an awesome opportunity because the drinking age is 18 uh we have two bars on campus we you know we, we're one of the most pop we're probably the most popular sports team uh for the university and it's like two games of the year that we really advertise. Like it's, you know, we have a lot of creative people here, but I don't know if you have to be that creative. It's, it's cheap beer and cheap tickets and you're going to fill up the seats if you advertise it right. Like, well, uh, boys, just, this is breaking news and, and crack and bruise. So <laughs> naturally this is the, uh, the perfect opportunity to crack our first brew of the podcast. So cheers for that. Jeez. Orange juice in the morning. I, well, I've got a Bud Light orange here again for those listening. Uh, hey, I'm just taking it so seriously too. By the way, you're laying on your bed. Like, what is going on? <laughs> Man, I, clearly by my my facial hair, I think you guys can tell I've just completely lost all hope of doing anything productive. Bales, what are you? You gotta have a desk. <laughs> I got a I got a Ridge Rock. It's out of Carp, Ontario. Owner uh, nice. Calvin DeHaan, and. Uh, I'm supporting the brand. That's my little plug for, I got two plugs today. I got the Ridge Rock. We got an Amber right here. Usually, I usually go stout. Guest. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. We got a nice little. Huge plug, buddy. I've got, I've got a signed coffee. I don't know if that's available to the general public, but. Beautiful. Right I'm on. so frustrated. You brought me on with a doctor and an author and a lawyer. <laughs> like, I, I'm so tired of being like the dumbest guy. Like, no, no. Buddy, I'll, I'll trade the book for uh, and the knowledge for any of your championships so yeah <laughs> yeah brandon you had the best opportunity to flex <laughs> yeah. here at all of us you could have had like a line of yeah. your trophies <laughs> and accomplishments like on a shelf behind you I, my girlfriend cleaned up the apartment i had my rings all set up on my desk and then she had like so she gets moved into like because she's working from home now she works for canada blue cross so they got like monitor stuff and i don't know where they were, i don't know where anything is it's all gone <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a beautiful disaster, right? Once everything gets organized, you don't know where anything is anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where they're somewhere buried in a closet. Like it's just it's all it's been forgotten. Well, anyways, my, yes, my professionalism has completely gone out the door. It has been for a month, and it is nowhere to be found right now. So I, I don't know when it's coming back, if it ever will. But uh, we are completely flying off the cuff here. So uh, back to your to your point, though, you know, alcohol. I, I think it's a, an interesting point. I think there's a valid discussion to be had with it, guys, because and I've talked with with some schools about this before. Like th this is university, right? I think if you get a student, you know, a student base in to watch any U sports hockey event, but I think, you know, men's hockey in particular tends to be really exciting. Students don't care about how good the game is, right? Like the, the Crow Child Classic is an amazing game every year, but it, it could be like five, nothing Calgary or whatever. And the students would still be going bananas, right? Like we used to have, I remember at Ryerson, my first year when I called games there, we had an unbelievable promotion, $2 beer night on a Thursday night. And it was great. And the first time I did it, my first ever university hockey game as a student was Laurentian and Ryerson. And I mean, I, God bless the Voyageurs. They got smacked like 10 to three that night by Ryerson, but it was unreal. It was Maple Leaf Gardens. There were 2,300 university students in the stands. A bunch of them were loaded and it was a great time. Like, and, and that promotion went away and I'll never, I think it's like $4 beer now, but it's just, it's not the same. And I'll never, I'll never truly understand why that went away you know kevin you, you you've, we talked about the car harris cup that's another event i've been to it's the same thing right like you get a queens fan base and you get an rmc fan base and, and it's like they don't care about the quality of the game they're just there for a good time like I, I can't understand why we're not taking more advantage of that right yeah and and everyone wins here you know i, I think the schools are the schools are obviously concerned about a, a liability or a, a perception kind of angle but everyone wins like when i when ricky's talking about alabama like when I'm watching the, the NCAA playoffs, I'm jealous I'm not there. I'm jealous that I'm jealous that Queens doesn't have a sport where every weekend's a homecoming and everyone's having a blast. Like, can you tell me what percentage of students wouldn't want to have a rowdy game to go to every single week? And I, I think that in, we're in Canada. Like, that's probably going to be hockey. We're a full season sport. You know, it's it's very it's it's done at every other level except ours. Why isn't it? And, and, that, and, you know, it rubs me the wrong way because when I, when I think about my university experience, like, even if I obviously as a player would love the, the rowdiness and, and the crowd and, and the excitement that, while I'm playing, but you know what, I would have had just as, maybe not just as much fun, but I would have had fun going to the games. And I know that um, when we hosted the Queen's Cup, that was like a, a record-breaking kind of crowd. And now everyone wants to go to the games. They're like, oh, these, these are good. These are fun. And it, it kind of it builds momentum from there. But it's going to take a, an unequal amount of marketing or, or force to get something done. Um, just like we've discussed, like it's, it's the route you have to go. What do you think could make this more attractive for students guys? Because obviously the, the quality of hockey is there, right? Like the, that, that's not the issue. We have good hockey teams. We, we have good hockey games. We could talk about all, you know, all day about the parody and, and it, it is a top heavy league. There, there's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, you know, there's still good hockey going on every night in, in ranks all across the country at the university level. So uh, again, open-ended question here for anyone. What can we do to try and make this more attractive for students? Yeah, I, I think maybe, maybe just buying, uh, not, not all at once, like spend, spending, money to, <laughs> spending money to make money. That's, that's, that's what I put it, you know, build it, build it and they will come. I think that that's, that's what, uh, it takes. Like I, I see, I see schools building 
you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of football stadiums. And I'm not even convinced Canadian football is going to be a sport in 15 years. Um, you know, and that's, that's their mentality with, with the, that, those sort of facilities, you know, build it and they will come. Well, okay, well, let's give it a, let's give it a shot here. Kind of like um, Nathan was talking about like um, making a co-op program with marketing students. I know at, at Queens, we're, they're kind of trying to spearhead people getting credits for marketing for sports teams. And they're kind of saying, you know, you can read a dozen peer reviewed studies a day on, on marketing, but unless you're doing it and you're showing that you can accomplish it, you can get butts in the seats. Have you really learned how to market? And I, I think they had a pilot program last year to, to some success. Um, and I think that they're working on it, but just, just like we, we've discussed, you know, you put hungry people that want to put stuff on their resume and, and, and make moves and prove to themselves and other people, you know, I can, I can do this job. Well, okay. Start with our sports teams. We get, we get 20 fans, you know, triple it, double it, whatever you can show, you can say to a future employer, like I, I've started with nothing and I, and I can, I can make things work. I can make things attractive. Yeah, Nathan, how about you? Because, you know, again, like St. FX is, is a hockey town, right? Like the, the population of, of Anaganish, I think is what, like 4,000 4, something. So, you know, like when, when there's a St. FX hockey game, right? Like let's say you guys are playing UNB in the playoffs, just kind of by virtue of there's, there's nothing really else cooking on a, you know, Friday night in Anaganish, that becomes the place to go, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it, uh, like, Bales already mentioned and Brendan talked about it like it doesn't I, I put it out there that like yeah we can incorporate marketing since Brendan said like yeah cheap beer like and I completely agree with both of them I also think anytime the hockey program I'm not sure if it's like at Queens or, or U of A but when we were at X and even at U of O right now like we're pretty involved with the minor hockey teams and that always helps out to bring in like just buckets of teams the kids go crazy they get like a free pizza or something like that and they're super happy right and at very least, like, I know the kids aren't going to be hammering beers in the stands, or maybe they are, I don't know. But at least it puts people in the stands, and the parents are there, and they're like, you know what, this is exciting. This is a good way to spend, like, a Friday night. So I think uh, for a lot of the schools, uh, getting out there in the community might be a good good resource to, to boost some credibility with the, with the community. All right, well, guys, I, I wanted to talk about the University Cup here as well. And I know we're, we're not going to get to all the topics I wanted to today, so we, we might have to do a part two of this uh, at some point if we're still around to tell the tale once this is all said and done. But uh, University Cup, and, and this has been a, a hot topic of discussion. You know, I, I talk about it all the time with a lot of my sources, just in terms of, you know, who's bidding on the next U Cup, what are the plans for it, how is this evolving? I, I'm curious to know what you guys think as players – of the format. And, and I know there's, there's people that sit on very opposite sides of this, but it is a, a ruthless cutthroat tournament where you can, I mean, you know, Brendan, you're probably the perfect guy to, to talk about this off the top. I mean, all, all, all three of you guys have suffered quarterfinal defeats in the university cup, but Brendan, I remember a couple of years ago, you know, you guys with Alberta came all the way out to Fredericton, see Acadia in the quarterfinals. You guys had a great season, but you know, it, you end up getting knocked out, I think. It was Acadia, right, in, uh, yeah, in the yeah, quarterfinals? So, so that's, that's got to be tough, right? Like, as a student, you go all the way from Edmonton out to the Maritimes, you know, Thursday morning, okay, let's go, and then one game, and it's all done. Like, do you like the format? Would you like to see it change? No, and I've talked about this with you before. Like, I think we have the perfect we, – we've seen what works best, and I think it's the Mem Cup, like the round robin. I like, I like that a little more. Um, it's not the worst format. Like I, I kind of do like the one, you know, the one and done game. It's kind of like you see the wild card they have in baseball now that, that playing game almost. Um, I, I think the worst part, like I, I don't really care that much, but 
it being that ruthless. The worst part by far is the third place game. Like, I don't know why they have that. I, I was actually going to ask you guys that. D does anyone Nobody here care, raise your hand if you care about a bronze medal and uh, at the university cup? Like this isn't the Olympics. Nobody. Like we're representing our country. I'm looking like, Oh, I can get a medal for our country. Like I, I could not imagine wanting to play a game any less than at, you know, what is it? Eight in the morning. Well, I remember a couple of years ago, it was like 9 a.m., St. FX and, and Sask. You weren't in that game, were you, Nathan? No. I think you were, no, you were at McGill already. Yeah. Well, I, look, I, I remember the, the first year I went to the U Cup, you know, those guys at, at Sask, and you were definitely in this game, Nathan, when, when you beat them in the semifinal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, should we beat U of A in the uh, quarter, quarters? Brennan, were you on that team or no? No. No, that, yeah, that was the year before Brennan was in the league. But so, so that was the year that Sask went to quad overtime against. Yeah, yeah. Play SMU the next morning. That, that, that was ridiculous. Like Dave Adolf was so salty in the post game. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite pressers, by the way, because of how mad Dave Adolf was. But like, it, it just it was kind of mind-boggling to me. Like that team's been through hell and back. They played uh, seven periods of hockey in a couple days, and now they got to play at eleven a.m. Yeah, uh, you know, out of their time zone for. For what, right? Like I, I think there's some schools, guys, like the, the schools that don't get in that often. Like I think if UBC got, uh, you know, to Sunday and uh, and won the the bronze medal, I think that means something to UBC. But you know, Brendan, for for you guys at Alberta, like it, I mean, it's the same thing with UNB. Like you guys are all or nothing, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think it means anything to anybody. Like it's just not like one of those tournaments. It's just it's you know you don't see it that's just not how hockey leagues are done really unless it's like you know representing your country like, i don't would i care to see a third place game in the nhl like for the stanley like in the stanley cup playoffs like no like it's nobody wants it's first of all it's dangerous like you said like you play the night before usually right then you're depressed you lost out so half the guys are gonna go boozing and then you gotta get up early and you gotta play another team who doesn't really care and it's just like i, I don't know like i had it flash in my head like if we had to do that, like, this year being my, my last year, and, like, say we had to play a third-place game, and thank goodness we never had to when I was here, I would literally – I think I would have said to the coach, like, I, I'm, this game's not for me. Like, I'm not starting this game. Like, it's my last year. This is not – my last game is not going to be this third-place game. Kevin, if, if Queens had won uh, a U Sports bronze medal, would you guys have cared? Um, we would have used it as an excuse to, to have fun. Um, <laughs> We, we, we're good at, we're good at doing that. Um, but no, like I'm on the same page with these guys. Like you lose, you know, bow out honorably and get back after it next year. Like it's, it's only going to, like, I know Nate and I, we, we got to one of the proudest moments of my life was winning a bronze medal, uh, but, we were, but we were playing for our country. Kind of like what, what Berkey was saying, like we got to bring that home like that. That was cool. But yeah. no hold that thought, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to get to future games in a moment, but continue. Yeah, no, like coming back to Queens, I, I'm i not bragging to anybody about winning a bronze medal. You know, it's, it's what, if I played, if, if I had the opportunity looking back on it, sure. Just because I didn't get any medals, but no, I, I, if you, if I had to choose between the two, whether losing to UNB um, in the quarters or, you know, playing in that kind of a game, no, I, I would bow out. I, I would try my best to, to win the gold. And, and even the silver, no one, there's, there's, no one wants that either. It's, it's the, it, and this kind of thing, it's a, it's a all or nothing. How about just the, the, the amount of teams, right? Like eight teams in the U Cup. Obviously, there are recurring characters we see every year. The UNBs, the Albertas, 
the Santa Fexes, the Sasks, whatever, right? But th- there's always a couple teams. Like the OUA has that bronze medal play-in third game, and that's always a mixed bag, right? One year it's York, maybe it's Concordia, another year, uh, whatever. So, Nathan, do you think that eight teams is a, an appropriate amount to have at a tournament like that? Yeah, pers- personally, I, I like it. Um, I think, like, when it was four, it's just you can you can have a really good season, make it to your conference final, and then – you know, losing the finals and you're not going because you're not one of the three champions or the host. You know what I mean? So I, I, I personally like the eight and I was thinking about it more and more. And even if you did like two divisions, it's tough, man, because for the, like around Robin, like they do in the Mem Cup, that's, I don't even know how long the Mem Cup is. It's going to be like, what, a week and a half or something? Yeah. Like, you can't expect guys to play five games in five days. No. You know, like our growings are, you guys are 25. You know what I mean? Like their hips are going to be in, one city by the end of it, right? <laughs> so I think the way they have it right now is, is pretty good. It does suck for the teams who have to travel and like they're they're booking flights for the Sunday and then they got knocked out on a Thursday and then the guys just go out all weekend. But hey, they deserve it. Like I'm not gonna speak for the U like, you know, Ontario or out east, but I would like like I'm the opposite. Like I don't think I, I don't like rewarding the second place team in Canada West. Like you know, we don't have as many teams out here. Yeah. But I don't think if you lose Canada West that you should have a chance to – like, I don't think Sask, if, say, like, when we, when we beat them the year we won, they were really, in my opinion, you know, they got a couple pretty bad calls, I think, against them. They, they were, like, five minutes away from – we beat them in a series out here, and then they still get to go. And they're, like, they're, they're a post away from, you know, eliminating us. I, I just don't like it as much. Like, I feel like it's rewarding the worst teams. I think, you know, you win your league, you get to go – OUA is a little different. You guys have a lot more teams, but um, I, I just know Canada West. Like I think Canada West should only send one team. Yeah, it's because you get you keep getting sent though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> would, would you say that, Brendan, if you played on the Lethbridge Pronghorns? Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, yeah. Speaking of Lethbridge Pronghorns, the worst <laughs> thing that ever happened in that program was going to nationals. Like honestly, the poor the poor guys who had to play in those games. Like what a nightmare. Yeah, the host one. Yeah, the whole it, it was like I I felt that I like I know a bunch of the guys on that team like they were like you know because they didn't even make I don't even think they made playoffs. For no, they they, they did make playoffs that year because I, I I remember that that because they come really close in, in yeah, they almost years. missed yeah they but they, they got in that round and the guys were like you know I'm talking guys they're like you know they're probably gonna get matched up with U and B first game and they were like they were embarrassed like they didn't they were like we're gonna lose ten nothing. I don't, I'm not even telling my friends, I don't even want them to come to the game. Like, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, that, that Lethbridge, that, that University Cup in a lot of ways, guys, was, was really controversial. And, and there's a lot of stuff uh, that, that I, I can't say or I haven't said yet. But I, I, I think, you know, my theory is that what happened back in 2019, Lethbridge played a factor in, in what's happened the last couple of weeks with, you know, ultimately the, uh, the demise of that program. Because, you know, let's face it, let's be honest here, the, the University Cup is – is not particularly a, a lucrative experience for the, the host team. And it's become a lot harder to host it over the years. And that's a big reason why you've seen it out in the Maritimes year after year after year, because that is the place where it's you know, most guaranteed to be successful. And if the University Cup isn't successful, the repercussions that can have on a university and an athletic program, and this goes for just more than the U Cup as well, it goes for some other national championships, can be harmful in the long term. And I think we've seen a reflection of that with, with what's happened with Lethbridge, but I want to move on from the university cup. And uh, before I get into the next topic, Nathan, what do you got going on with your shirt today? Oh yeah. 
Uh, is, is, is this another plug waiting to happen? Heroic Minds. My buddy Ben Finelli, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if Bill's breaking on about him, but he's awesome. He runs his podcast. My second favorite podcast, just behind yours. But Good answer. Yeah, he's awesome. Awesome. So he sent me one of these shirts. He's a really good guy. So I don't know. I, I, that's my first plug. My second plug is for uh, the Staff Hockey League at uh, U of O. <laughs> Teacher, student, Staff Hockey League. We got the commissioner. Uh, his name is uh, Robido. And uh, he plays like Dominic Hasek in the pipes. I'm going to look up his numbers for you, but I think he had a short stint in Peterborough, and this guy's just fantastic. He's does, so uh, does Andrea Bailey make any appearances? <laughs> no. No, she doesn't, unfortunately. Like, like, this is perfect, guys, because I, I don't have an ad for the podcast, so this is kind of like our, our stereotypical ad read. We're just promoting another podcast, Ben Finelli's podcast, which, by the way, <laughs> is terrific. He's been a guest on this before as well. Uh, he's fantastic. I listen to Heroic Minds from time to time as well. It's, you should definitely check it out. It's great. Yeah, he's, he's solid. Maybe he'll give you a shout on his. Um, and then the last one <laughs> was uh, a quick – actually, Brick, you might like this one. Quick plug for my uh, roommate when I was in Australia. He, uh, Curtis Skip, goalie for uh, – Oh, yeah. Uh, that's how you say it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, this guy was just awesome too, and he's so funny. So – you like seeing how you're attending. I don't know. You guys probably know each other. We play, we play Augustana. That's like, we, we finally didn't do it this year. Speaking about shit trips. So yeah. <laughs> we, we do this one fundraising thing to raise money at the, like for priests. I'm not sure what you guys like, but I, honestly, U of A, I like, I might be exaggerating. I think we play like 15 preseason games. Like it's insane. Mm. We, uh, we go up to Athabasca. Does anybody have any idea where that is? I've heard of it, but I honestly I couldn't point it out on the map to you. It's just like you know, like Edmonton's north, like it's north, north. I just thought it was online. Is it a place? I thought it was a made-up place. Yeah. Well, it's a real place, like that you can, you know, it, it's like where they have those online courses. You guys ever take Athabasca University? Like it's actually there. And so it's way up north, and we go up there, and we have to play Augustana and Nate, which are like the two like. I'm not sure what you guys call it, but it, it's like the universe. It's like college hockey here, so like we don't they don't play in our league, and yeah. we gotta go there. And they just tr it's our, our first games of the year, and they just try and murder us for the whole game. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> hey, Ber Berkey, have you got anything to plug on the show today? Because we, we've already been through uh, Bales and Trilitti here, but how about you? No, I got nothing to plug. I got I'm just like I'm a company man. I just got my Golden Bears hockey. Like I got. <laughs> This is here, – here, I'll plug the Golden Bears because this is, like, a nice thing they do. You, when you uh, finish your career at the end of the year banquet, they give you a custom, like, mug like this that you can, that you can booze out of. <laughs> and they got like, – you know, they put your stats on it and, like, a little, a little write-up. So, I'm just a Golden Bears guy. I got nothing – I got no successful friends starting companies or podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a bunch of texts now from guys saying, oh, yeah, you, you, you just brought Berkey on the show to, to recruit some prospective WHL kids to the U of A. Yeah, exactly. Come to U of A if you, uh, you know, if you want to go to nationals. Uh, you know, one team only. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just don't tell them what happened this year in the playoffs, though, right? <laughs> That's how I ended my career, the biggest upset in, like, university hockey history. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a wild day. I, I, you know, funny story about that, because uh, I think it was the same night Ryerson got knocked out by Western uh, for the fifth straight year in the second round of the OUA playoffs, which is a streak I still cannot fully grasp. 
uh, and wrap my head around. But yeah, I was, I was about five beers deep in the back of a bar watching that on my phone and I was losing it. I couldn't believe that was happening. But uh, anyways, back on track to the discussion here. Kevin, you mentioned the Fiju Games earlier on. You won a bronze medal there. Nathan, you did that as well. The, the Fiju Games are, are fascinating. Maybe, maybe I'll leave it a little bit more to, toward you guys to explain what it is. But we see a bunch of, of national opportunities to work with Hockey Canada, right? Whether it's, it's playing international hockey at the Fiju Games. You know, the, the Team Canada versus U Sports Series has really grown over the last five or so years. I mean, what an excellent showcase, right, to show fans in Canada how good university hockey players really are compared to junior guys. And, Brendan, you know, you're Mr. Spangler Cup here, right? We saw Jordan Cook go there as a third string. You did it last year as well. I know you didn't play any minutes, but you still won a Spangler Cup. So Yeah, I backed up a game. Well, there you got go. Game. So what, what game was that? That was, uh, that was against Davos, I think. It was, like, the second game of the tournament. There was – Okay, that was like, you know, that might have been where the coronavirus actually started. There was like a sickness going through Davos, like you've never seen before. Like they, they were having like things like they were like talked about here where like the hospitals were overflown. Wow. They had to like fly in new linesmen. Like there was a virus going on. I got it like right when I got there. I've never been more violently sick in my life. Like, and so many people got it. So then I gave it to Zach probably. And then I got to back up. <laughs> Jeez. Inside well, job. That, that must have been an interesting – it's funny because I had never heard about that. You know, I, I covered a, a little bit of it from, from CBC getting up at uh, 2 in the morning or whatever to, to work the, uh, the news shift in the morning. We did some Spengler Cup highlights. But, uh, yeah, that's, that, that must have been – because I, mean, I know your dad was there too, right? So you, you got to be able to, to go out there and share that experience with him. But, you know, that I would imagine, even though you didn't get to play, has to be among one of your favorite hockey experiences, right? Oh, for sure. Like, it wasn't one of those tournaments I was expecting to go out there and play. It was kind of like, you know, similar to the Jordan Cook uh, thing where you're going to go out there. And honestly, if somebody got hurt, they'd probably still try and fly somebody in quicker. So it, it's just like you're, you're there just for practice. I stay out with guys. It's like, you know, short term. It was so much fun. And Hockey Canada is like, they're so generous with that tournament since it's over Christmas. Like, all the guys were able to bring. Like, I brought my girlfriend. And they paid for everything. So, and like some guys brought, you know, it's a lot of older guys. Some guys brought both their kids and, you know, everything's paid for and you get treated unbelievably. It was like, I don't know, like it was a nice change up from university hockey, like the meals, the, it was just so cool. It was, uh, and then obviously I, like, I never been to Switzerland or anything before. So it was almost like, you know, I was almost disappointed the game. I was like, had to back up because I had to take it seriously for a day. I was usually like touring <laughs> around, like doing stuff like, I was like, holy shit, I better be ready. Like, what if I go in, like, I ruin this tournament for them. Like, I better actually, like, you know, get my shit together. <laughs> Were you playing with Cody Coran? Sorry, what? Uh, Cody Coran. Was he on that team? Yeah, yeah, he came uh, – oh, I, I can't remember because, like I said, everybody got – so many guys got sick that we started flying guys in. Right. Oh. I don't know if maybe he wasn't there. I mean, he was there the year before. I just like, I, I, I he might have been like, there the year before. Yeah, I, I know think he was there the year right. before. I just know, like, I remember that name because obviously my right. dad was running it, so I, I watched. But I don't think he was there this year. But we end up flying like a couple guys like in who were just in Europe because so many guys were like seriously sick. Yeah, well, Cody Karam, by the way, former University of uh, Calgary Dino. So there's always some good youth sports content. We had a couple youth sports guys there. That's uh, yeah. Who was it this year? Because I know Dane Todd has been there in the past as well, former UMB guy. Who was there this year? Um, his name's uh, Faye, if I'm pronouncing Oh, yeah, that right. Eric Faye, yeah, former Mark guy. I think Jason Bast, former St. FX guy, was there in the past as well. And the, uh, 
I don't know why I can't remember his name. You know the guy who went like viral at the KHL All-Star game who's playing guitar oh, and singing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew Mayoni. Mayoni? Yeah. yeah, Mayoni. He was there too. So, yeah, we had a couple of youth sport guys there. Yeah, yeah, good defenseman. Lot. So, yeah, great yeah. example there of some youth sport guys that have gone on to have fantastic careers um, in Europe, by the way. So, uh, you know, Nathan and, and Kevin, let, let's talk Fiju games and, and Canada uh, versus the youth sports All-Stars. Kevin, we'll start with you. You know, you've done some pretty cool things in your hockey career, but where do those experiences rank for you? Do they mean a lot? Yeah, they, they mean a tremendous amount. Obviously, it was, I mean, if you're ever planning to go to a tournament, don't bring me because the places I've gotten to go are Lethbridge and Kazakhstan. So <laughs> I think that, you know, Halifax and wherever, Torino or wherever they got to go the, the following years was a lot better. So I don't, I don't have, the locations aren't my thing, but it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was an official Hockey Canada event, so kind of like what Berkey was talking about, we got treated really, really well. Um, I got to go there. I knew I knew most of the guys. Hockey World's pretty small, and uh, they do just a OUA concentrated team, or they, they rotated around the league. So we all kind of knew each other. I knew Char from, from back in the day. He was shooting on me at goalie schools and stuff. So there was a lot of familiarity, and it was it was cool. You know, I never had gotten to officially represent Canada in, in ice hockey before, and um, it, it was cool. We got to have some life experiences. Like I would never go to that part of the world. Otherwise, um, I know we, we, we ended up having some success. Like the, the, the tournament went well for us and we got to have a lot of fun after, and we, we had a lot of fun before too. And, and it, I have nothing negative to say. If I was, if I was used sports, I'd be pumping events like that out like crazy. I, I would be spending so much money trying to get things like that going. Um, just because I think, I think it, the, the marketing they get out of that is unbelievable. Yeah, and how about for you, Nathan? Did you have any idea that that you know that would have been a possibility when when you came into the league? I because I, I don't think the U Sports versus Canada World Juniors idea had been conceived at the time when you were recruited to Santa Fax. But did, did you know anything about the the Fiju Games coming out of Owen Sound? Uh, the Fiju Games, no, no, and like like Bill said, it was awesome, and uh, yeah, that probably winning a bronze medal uh, was one of the best feelings. Like we we went into it, we played the check on again, like one of those trash early morning games, but we rallied quick and we, we pumped, we were up like three rep, I think in the first period and we ended up squeezing one out. But, uh, I mean, we have to mention the party after because like that story is so funny and Bales, I'll, I'll lead it off and Bales, you can fill in the blanks, even though you probably have a lot of blanks in that, in, that, <laughs> in this memory. So like we win the game and everything's good. We have beers in the room. We have to stay in the dress room because, I, like, the finals is going on. Then we get our medals. So we have to basically kill, like, three hours. So, anyways, bring in beers. Like, we're just hanging out, this and that, whatever. We get our medals. We go back to, like, our residence, and we get the green light. Like, it's not like the other athletes. We're not 19 or whatever. Like, you guys are 25 years old. Like, we're, we're basically parents. So we get the green light from the Hockey Canada people or the Team Canada personnel. And I don't know who organized it, but we went to like this, this Kazakh bar. And I'll never forget it because you walk, like there's like a metal detector that you walk through and then you walk down some stairs and then there's another metal detector. And it was a, like a Monday night or Tuesday night. So you go in and it's completely empty. And the boys start posting up at the bars and like guys are sharing bottles. The bottles like, well, I paid like 30 bucks or something. But Bales, how much how much was on your credit card that that next day? Yeah, the, the statement was a little scary because it was in like it had like six or seven digit zeros at the end of it, but it was because the, the money there is all different. But 
yeah, I remember we walked in and they said, I, I went up to the bar and I said, you know, we'll have like 25 or 30 rum and cokes or like whatever you guys have. I don't even know if she could understand me. And she puts out like a, a 40 or a 60, which I think was only like five bucks, but the two liter of Pepsi that she gave us was like 20. And then, uh, and then, so I started pouring them and I, and I kind of said to her after we poured all the drinks, I said, you know, like these guys were like, these guys are savages. Like you put, cause she hadn't taken the bottle off the bar. And I remember she she was like, Oh, well you, you actually bought it. So, so then that kind of kicked off the rest of the night. And I, I don't know, my, my phone ended up getting misplaced and we had, we had, we had a, we have like a, they give you like a security guard or something like for your team to kind of translate and take you around. And I had found it on the, uh, I had found it on the find your phone or whatever the app was called. And I said to the person, you know, I, I got to go, I, I figured it was the bar. I said, I got to go there and pick it up. And they go, no, this is a, this is like a bazaar where they sell stolen cell phones. So I, I never got to see that again. Wow. It was, yeah. It was like, you, you walk into this place too, and then it's separated. Like it's a bar in one place and then through a door, it's a gentleman's club. So the guys were like just funneling back and forth and like there was no such thing as Ubers or cabs. So like to get home, you had to like hitchhike and negotiate a fare. Oh yeah. And like, I got home and thank God, like Hins, Olivier, Hins, Hinser from Concordia was there because like the next day it, the guys were just one disaster of a unit. Like it, <laughs> it was like, thank God, thank God we didn't fly out that day. We had the we flew out like later that night, so like guys were just sauna, sauna, water, sleep, like that's it. It was so funny. That, that's that's a long flight too, right? Like, because I guess you would have gone straight from Kazakhstan to Toronto. Yeah, I sat beside sumo like a, a guy, a sumo wrestler competing at the Pisu thing was the person beside me on the plane. Biggest human I've ever seen before. Seventeen hours on the plane. Nightmare seat partner on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Who would have wanted to fight, Corey Genovese or the sumo wrestler? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Probably. I'll, I'm going to say Geno because I'm probably never seeing the sumo guy again. I'm going to see Geno again. He's going to fight me if I say somebody else. So. <laughs> yeah, one of the toughest guys, I think. Did he have a U Sports fight? Um, I don't think not he did. Like, the one, the the one thing that U Sports does awesome that I'll never complain about is the refs are usually pretty aware that if you get a fighting thing, like you're actually going to be in proper trouble. So you'll get like a a pretty decent three quarter fight, and you'll get whatever double minors for roughing and stuff. Right. That I appreciate. He, he had a he had a million of those, but I don't think he had a a five minute. I think he always had even penalty minutes on on his uh, scorecard. I don't think he had a five. So so maybe for the goalies, do you guys think there should be scraps in in OUA? Or in uh, the Sizzler, I should say. Sure, I don't know. like. It's, Good terminology, it's by the way, Nathan. The Sizzler. Yeah. Never Sizzler. let that die. No, we're never gonna let it die, man. <laughs> no, I'm. Yeah, you know, that my first year was a Sizzler, and it changed to to U Sports. Like it's it's tough to. You. Long at all. No. I was embarrassed when I went to Spengler. Like they made you fill like a like a profile sheet. And they're like, what league do you play in? And I just said Canada West because, like, like CW. Because I, I couldn't, like, bear putting in U Sports. Like, it would be so embarrassing when they popped it up. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, such you... a great nickname, though. It's, that, that's, that's better than any of the junior hockey league nicknames. The Sizzler's it's already died, called. though. Like, the new guys, like, they don't call it the Sizzler or anything, which is sad. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, yeah, you, if you do want to watch fighting in, in, in the Sizzler, just watch a Carlton game. Oh, Every my time gosh. you play Carlton, you're just going gonna to have to fight anyway, so you might as well just <laughs> – remember Carlton Lake had a couple years ago bales like that I think that was in Thunder Bay 
Uh, obviously, you weren't in that game, but there were like five guys on that Carlton team that were dancing with someone on Lakehead. And I, I'm not like these little scraps. Like they, they were throwing right hands. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I didn't plan on talking about fighting at all coming into today's podcast, but th- that's been a, a topic of conversation, though, too, in the past, right, with U Sports. And uh, obviously, the penalties for fighting are much stricter in, in youth sports than they are in, uh, in junior hockey leagues. And I know none of you guys are, are particularly fighters, but I know all of you guys have played with guys that, uh, that have been fighters in the past and, and maybe have had to change a little bit of their game. I know, Kevin, we, we've been talking about Corey Genovese, but there, there's a laundry list of guys, right? Like Victor Terreri, you, you, you must have been to meet with him in Oshawa, right? Yeah, I, I had right before um, the virus had actually just had lunch with Vic. He, he, he's oh, yeah? awesome. Like, yeah, he's a but- great guy. Yeah, he was a uh, yeah he was a uh, in London and in Oshawa was a predominantly a, a, a you know a physical rough player right but and, and yeah tough as nails would fight anyone but then the, you know his game sort of had to change when when he got to university right because you weren't allowed to do the same I think uh, you know, Brendan Ryan Rehill's a, a pretty tough character too right yeah he's really tough but he he fought quite a bit and he was like in that wave like they changed it now. Um, but in the WHL, my first couple of years, you could fight as much as you want. Like, so he has like so many, like, you know, no, you'll never see a guy fight like as much as these guys used to anymore. But, uh, he's, he's also like a real good, like real good player. So I think it was easier for him, but I always find like the guys who fought like him, they always like, I think they overhype how like the effect their policing had on the game. You know what I mean? Like, right. It definitely helps, but I always feel like they kind of pump themselves up a bit where they always feel like, oh, if I could fight, like, that dirty player on their team wouldn't be dirty anymore. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, okay. The, well, the it, dirtiest it, it, hockey I've ever seen is the hockey when you were allowed to fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's interesting to me, though, guys, because a lot of these players come in to youth sports and, and they kind of see it like an opportunity to, to change – the, the way they play or change the rule, change the way that they've been perceived as a player in junior, right? Because I'm sure you guys can all attest to this, that you played with guys that, that were pigeonholed in a, in a role in junior. Like, okay, you're, you're the fourth line fighter and that's what you're going to be. Like, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you know, how much you de- develop your skill. Like you're here to be a fourth line fighter or, or a grinder, whatever the role is. And then they kind of come to university. Then we see guys like sort of all of a sudden kind of pop off and, oh, you know, this kid has kind of a second wind or there's an element to his game that we haven't seen before. Uh, Nathan, I'm sure you've probably seen a couple of guys like that either at X or or at McGill and uh, maybe some that that come to mind in in particular as well. But do you think it's a, you know, a good opportunity for players where, where they don't have to worry necessarily about, you know, being a fighter and they can get a fresh start to reinvent themselves as a player? Yeah, and even like, I don't know, I, I can speak about this anecdotally. My major junior career wasn't anything special. Um, my second year in Sarnia, I was like minus 40. So You had one in 30 your 20-year-old year, though. That was a nice season. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Just, yeah, one in 30 plus whatever, 40 or something, like super random. That's a nice year. It's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Landed me in the Sizzler, so I can't complain. But, uh, no, like, and honestly, it's just a different atmosphere. You guys aren't – um, as uptight, you realize maybe you're not going pro after one season. So you can settle in a little bit, enjoy things. The stress gets down. Um, and typically, like, again, anecdotally, that's when I play my best hockey, when I'm just enjoying things and not uptight. Um, and I think that's a reflection on a lot of players. So whether that's like the U sports culture or their roles changing, it's an awesome opportunity for those guys who were 
you know, a backup goalie in major junior or a stay at home defenseman or a second line PP guy or a third line center, you know what I mean? To take a step up if they really want to, because if there's one thing that you sports, no, if there's one thing that the sizzler rewards, it's, it's, yeah, you're welcome, is uh, hard workers. And that's the biggest thing I've, I've found. That is true. And there, there's a lot that the, that the players can kind of control their destiny in a lot of ways too, by choosing where they want to go. Right. It's not like junior where, I mean, you, you can give your short list of teams. Like I, I don't want to get traded here. I don't want to get drafted there, but it, it's not like, like you sports, when you come in, you, you have a whole plethora of schools to choose. So for, for you, Kevin, I'm sure you would have been a pretty sought after goaltender coming out of Summerside uh, just based off that year you had in the start of the season you had in London. So w- was it kind of nice for you to, to sort of control your own fate as to where you wanted to go? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a little bit stressful in the, from the standpoint of like, you're not like, you're not getting traded or anything. So if you're on, if you're unhappy there, it's you're, you're there, you're doing your school there, but um, no, you, you know, you, I think if you, if you're a, if you have CHL pedigree, you're going to have more or less most of the schools call you um, and kind of give your pitch. Um, I was I was fortunate enough to be recruited by the greatest recruiter in the OUA, Brett Gibson. <laughs> hold on, is, hold on. Is is that a hot take, Bales? Is, is that a hot take? Brett Gibson's the best recruiter in U sports. He's the most. Uh, he's the most determined. <laughs> he's the most determined recruiter in in the in the Sizzler. You just went there for the girls, Bales. <laughs> That's exactly why. I will say this, and this is this is a fact. Kingston, Ontario. If you're 18 to 26, is like Disney World. It is, it is the best place in Canada. And I'm, I'm, I'm sold on that. That's, that's my hot take. That's my hot take. I've been there. It's not the best place in Canada. It's nice. I like it. It's a good spot. Right my girlfriend still lives there, buddy. So let's just take well, it easy. Well, let, let's just keep in mind here, Kevin, you know, relative to, to other places he's been, you know, Lethbridge, Kazakhstan, like I'm sure yeah. you know, <laughs> Kingston might look a little better, but Maybe I mean. It's the second nicest city in Kazakhstan. <laughs> The one with the, the Russian Space Center, the, I don't know what it's called, Astana. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. It, no, just, I, I, for me, I, I just said, you know what, if I'm, if I'm going to school, I'm, I want to go to, like for me, what, what, where's the best educational fit for me? Right. I was Queens, and then hockey was an afterthought. I, I, I said, okay, I didn't, even, I didn't even know if they had two goalies when I, when I officially committed here. I, I determined, okay, I'm going to school. What's the best school fit for me? Queens, okay, let's, I like hockey. Let's see what's going on there. It was, about, it, was, it was that was my 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 decision making process was more school first how about for you brendan because you were an nhl draft pick right the the phoenix or maybe it was arizona coyotes at the time uh, drafted you so obviously at some point you know you, you must have felt like the you know the nhl or pro hockey option in north america was a, a serious option for you so when you committed to alberta was it the the winning culture that that kind of won you over and you wanted to go there and, and try and set yourself up for pro or what was it well I'll start from like the draft like i got drafted i actually had like a couple nice like a nice year after my draft year and you no know, things were looking up I was like holy shit I might sign an NHL contract like my agent and then like my career just took a dump and then like it went horrible <laughs> so then I go like I'm a free agent I play out my 20 year old year I actually have a really nice start of my 20 year old year get hurt get cut while I'm hurt then go to the O lucky like I just back up there play some limited minutes but we win a mum cup so that's fun by the time but, but like by the time the Mem Cup's you over, make that like, sounds so casual, by the way. Just just won a Memorial Cup. That well, I didn't do fun. a whole lot. I kind of showed up like halfway and just like, you know, just pad some backs. But I by the time the Mem Cup's over, it's like May twenty-fifth. And I'm like, you know, I am Canadian, but I grew up mostly in Scottsdale. So like I know 
I didn't know – I don't know what U Sports is. Like, I didn't know what the Sizzler was. Like, I don't know any of the teams. I really had no idea about it. So, I was kind of sitting there waiting. I was, like, talking to my agent. And then, I, you know, I'm sure you guys figure that out. Like, once you, like, kind of get to this point, it's like you kind of become your own agent pretty quick. And then I'm just, like, looking for a spot to play. And, you know, somebody recommends University of Hockey to me. And I start I, – I go, well, what about – Calgary both Calgary teams because that's where my, my mom lives so I'm like oh Calgary would be cool we call them they already recruit they, they got Coleman Volrath and they already had like their everything locked up so I was like oh shit like I don't know where I'm gonna go I'm looking at these rosters like everybody's got goalies that are like already like I'm like late to the party so then a couple of schools from out east called me uh PEI was one of the teams that was like strongly recruiting me and I was like Jesus, I might have to go to like all the way out to PEI. Like this is like, all right, all right, like we'll see. And then, um, luckily for me, Jackson Whistle like decommitted from the U of A, and I got. A call I, I remember from, that. Yeah, yeah I got a call right. from Stan Marple, and I honestly like I didn't know like U of A could have been the worst organization in all of. Sizzler. Like I would, I had no idea. Like he he just kind of called me and like he wasn't in a panic, but you know, Whistle left him kind of a tough spot. And I was like, Edmonton, pretty close. Like my mom's family in Red Deer, she's in Calgary. And I was like, perfect. So I just, you know, I just did it. And like, then I got here and everybody's talking about like how lucky I am to be here. And I was like, I guess, like, I don't know, seems all right. Well, I, I would have, you know, Nathan just mentioned this about like, you know, the, the U sports culture is more relaxed, but I, I'm not sure that really applies to goaltending at Alberta because it, it's so competitive, right? For starting minutes, like you were there with Zach Sochenko, who, you know, without a doubt was, was an unbelievable U sports goaltender as well in his own right. So was it, was it a little bit stressful trying to, to compete for minutes where I'm, I'm sure you did that in junior as well, but like once you're locked in, with Alberta, like if they go out and get another goalie and you're already there, you know, there's nowhere to go, right? Like you got to battle for those minutes, whether there's, there's another goalie or two other goalies that are, are equally capable of getting starting minutes. Yeah. Well, my, like my first year here, we had myself, uh, Luke Siemens, who's a really good junior goalie and a CIS goalie and Kenny Cameron, who was like a good junior goalie. Like he played a little bit, like mostly in the AJ, but then he went to Nate and was like an unbelievable, like college goalie. So we got him. So me and him were coming at the same time. And, and like, it was kind of weird. My rookie year uh, was like, I wasn't even expecting to play because they had Luke Siemens there who was, our, who was in his fourth year. And then Kenny Cameron, who's the guy who they recruited, like I was like the last minute guy. And he was like, I th- he came off literally like a 25 and 0 season in college, like where he dominated. So I was like, Oh shit. Like, so the, but if something weird happened, like, <laughs> scenes got like in a little bit of a fight with our coach at the time Serge and so he wasn't like he wasn't even there for like a couple of weeks like something weird happened I don't, I don't even really know the full story to this day but they got in a fight and he, he basically took like two weeks off so we open our season I'm actually like in the lineup I get the back I backed up a couple nights and Kenny Cameron he actually played really well the first game okay the second game these were both against Sask and they lost and then our next weekend was in uh, UBC. So I, I started my first game against UBC. I played okay, but we lost like 3-1 or something like that. Like we didn't play very good. So then I'm back, backing up. And then Kenny Cameron plays his like third career game at university. He gets scored like three times in the first like couple minutes, like bad bounces. Like it sucked. He literally never played again the whole time I was there. I, I come in, I, I, I finish the game, we end up winning. And then Luke Siemens comes back. And then 
literally for two straight years, Kenny Cameron never saw the ice again. And that's like how crazy it is. Cause he actually was playing, he was coming off like a 25 and 0 season. He won his first game against Sask and like was playing like decent, had like a bad two minutes and never saw the ice again. So it's just like, it's like that, it's like that stressful there where it's like, in my first year, like I finished nice. I had like a 930 or something, like had a good year. And like literally the whole summer, all they're doing is like trying to recruit, find new goalies. I was like, holy shit. Like, what do I got to do to like, you got to put your arms around me here. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's just, it's nice for forwards and D. <laughs> maybe when you're as good as you are nathan on a first yeah. uh, d pairing at saint effects you don't have to worry about the reducement Man, my blood pressure was rising just listening to that story like, i know poor guy he was so he, he literally he like if you take it like his last like three years of hockey he was probably like 50 and one and then he got like benched for two straight years oh. yeah it, it, it can be a tough league in that sense and I, I know there i've talked to a lot of coaches too especially out in the aus that uh, that are actually in support of, of the roster cap for that reason where they, they can't recruit too many guys so you've got you know whoever it is just sitting in the stands um you know is like the the sixth or seventh scratch and basically needing the team to get like the spanish flu for a chance to to get in so i've I, I think it's an interesting discussion, but guys, we're, we're basically an hour into this thing already. Uh, I, I've gone through two of like the 10 questions I had for the, the group discussion here. Uh, I'll actually make that three, but uh, uh, that's, that's fantastic. I figured things might get, your side, or get sideways here a little bit, but uh, b- before we wrap this up for good, I, I want to talk a little bit about going from, from U Sports Hockey to Pro, um, or uh, I guess uh, into the, the, the real world. Uh, so to speak, maybe a little bit off ice. Uh, Nathan, I'll, I'll start with you because you went out to Australia, uh, which, which I'm sure must have been a, a fascinating experience showing up to the rink every day in, in your shorts, I guess. Um, I, I know that's uh, not the highest quality league in the world. Uh, I know Cam Critchlow went over there and absolutely tore through it. Uh, no offense to Critchlow, he's a good player, but I, I never figured he would put up the stats he did over there. But uh, your whole five-year experience between St. FX and, and McGill, is it something that, that you look back on and say that it was 100% the right decision and, and set me up for a, a good life post-hockey? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, and I, I'm a big believer in, in you are, like your experiences are what you put in, what you make of it, but I couldn't be happier with those two schools. And then even the opportunity to play in Australia, a uh, quick plug, I don't even I don't even know if I've told a couple of these stories, but for like, well, Bales, maybe actually they're always in need of goalies. So even if you guys haven't played in a couple of years, you can always play. <laughs> I, I think the Lavelle Rockets still own Kevin Bailey's right, yeah. though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Bales, you're a pro goalie. Guy. <laughs> yeah, that's the last thing on my like uh, my elite page. So I'm leaving it. I'm never touching the ice again. <laughs> How are your growings now, Bales? Healed up by that, eh? My, my problem is my back. I, right now I have a herniated disc. It's, man, it's brutal. Just carrying queens all those years, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, yeah, it was super fun in, in Australia. And like the where I was, the the rink was in a shopping mall, and like there was no glass. They put up nets. <laughs> so like, <laughs> Kip was telling me, like the my roommate, the the goalie I mentioned earlier, he's like, I have no idea if putts are going in. I don't know how they're coming off behind me, like. You can't tell. Someone rims a puck and it like hits the mesh and then like does like a speed wobble off of it. You know, it was just an absolute crapshoot. So, but honestly, that's the best thing about, to me, like scissor hockey, you develop as a person, obviously in the classroom, you develop as a, as a man, 
like a woman, whatever you're playing. Um, but then you also have that opportunity. And I, I think that's so clear when you look at, you know, all of the people, especially U of A, it seems like they always pump out pro hockey players there. I don't know. Maybe that's why you guys have so much cash. But um, anywhere, like the top guys are going going places. And even this year at, at Ottawa, like graduating a ton of guys, it's like 75, 80% contract right now. And what a unique experience where you can go anywhere you want after you have your degree or post-grad and do something like that. So yeah, no, no, no decision. How about for you, Kevin, because just from your experience, you're, you're one of the best, you know, OUA goaltenders, um, I, I think in, in the, the history of the league and, and now you're transitioning to, uh, I, I would say a complicated uh, off ice career. I mean, you, you went through the whole, you know, law school ringer and, and like, it's, it's not an easy field to break into. So if, if there's anything you would say to try and sell someone in junior who's looking at youth sports hockey, not, not on Queens, but just as youth sports hockey as a whole, what, what would you want junior players to know from your experience? Well, I would say it's a, we've all talked about it basically the whole time. It's a lot more of an enjoyable experience in terms of reduced stress and, and things like that. I, I would say if you, if you don't have a legitimate chance at like playing consistently in the American league, you're, you got to go to youth sports. If you, if you're coming into youth sports and you could have got a East coast deal, you're, there's going to be an East coast deal available after you're done. Um, I think checking your boxes uh, from training, there's, there's no one that's more stressful to be around than a, a guy who left juniors playing in the coast, doesn't have any education. And he's like fighting for another coast contract. Um, like that's not when you're, you got to think about when you're 26 years old, what kind of position do you want to be in? And, and even, even that, that being said as well, if, if you're lucky, you can play hockey till you're what, 32, 34, even if you're making good money, let's say in Europe, um, you got to do something after um, you have an opportunity to kind of pick a spot. It's, if you're coming, if you're coming out of major junior, it's, it's free. Like you're, you're going to go to school for free. You can pick your city, pick your school, have a really good opportunity. You can still play hockey if you want after. And then, you know, all these schools, they, they have alumni networks. They, I know at Queens, that's like what they really pride themselves on is, is the alumni network. And basically one day in my third year, Brett Gibson said, what do you want to do? And I told him, and he had that night four people calling me that work in that field that they had, you know, connections with. So in terms of putting, putting your hockey degree to, to work for you, kind of like I learned in more than a game, Perfect. you know, we, we, we earned it. We, we, we earned this education. We earned this money, unless you have a really, a really, really, really good chance at, at making a, a solid living at playing hockey. You can still continue playing elite level hockey, but also check your bases for when you're older. And maybe uh, break a 36-year championship drought somewhere along the way, too. I know you didn't do it as a player, but as an assistant coach, <laughs> that still must have been pretty cool, though, right? Like, I was in the building, yeah. obviously, that night. Like, that, that place was awesome, man. The, the old Kingston Memorial Arena, that place was packed. Yeah, no, that, that was the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah, we had a good time at, at the Stages nightclub after. We, we, got that, we got that building going. <laughs> Me and Vic okay. had a couple of beers. It was, it was good. If I remember, Brett Gibson got a police escort back to Gananoque, I think, <laughs> right, with the, the Queen's Cup in hand. Yeah, he wouldn't let he wouldn't let us keep that out of <laughs> like that for the rest of that night. But you know, we made the most of it, and, and that was that was a big thing for me too. You know, if you would have gone, um, I mean, you 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 guys both went to schools that have traditionally really successful hockey programs. At, at Queens, you know, we didn't win a national championship or even come close, but. For us, this was the national championship, and and for to be the first team to do that in, in so long, it, it was really special to us. And you know, I, I feel like a lot of the other schools like that are consistently winning. It's it's a letdown if you don't win. We're here, you know, we got to build something really special that we can always be proud of. 
how about for you, Brendan? Because I know you obviously came in with, with high pedigree. You know, we, we talked about your, your junior experience of being drafted. Of course, your dad as well for a long time was an NHL goaltender. So you grew up around that atmosphere too. And, and I'm sure learned a lot about university hockey uh, during your time at, at the U of A. But, but how valuable was the hockey experience at U of A to, to what you want to do now, which from my understanding is you want to stay in the game, but just in an off-ice capacity, right? Yeah, like, you know, I talked about earlier, like I was just super fortunate to end up uh, with the U of A. And, you know, I just think, you know, not hockey, but team sports in general, they just build good people. Like you, you just learn so many life lessons. And um, if you would have asked me before going to university, like when I was 19 years old, like I would have told you I've been totally content playing like 20 straight years in the East Coast Hockey League. That sounded like fun. Like, that sounded like fun to me. Like, that sounds cool. Like I'll just like, you know, journey around, play, like get still do it. And like, I'm so thankful that I ended up coming to U of A because like now I don't have to do that. Cause that sounds like a nightmare all of a sudden. Like if I had to like keep, if I had to go play in the coast next year and like, you know, coast for goalies, especially is like you end up playing for like five teams in a season, it seems like. So it's like, that, that sounds horrible all of a sudden. Well, as I, I, I think get it older. happened to Taron Cozen, right? Where, where he got bounced around between like five or six teams before he came to Saskatchewan. Well, it even happened to Sazi this year where like he didn't even play a game until like three months into the season because like they couldn't find a place for him because you know the problem with those leagues too like the east east coast gets a lot of goalies on nhl contracts because there's only so many places to play so even if you're playing unbelievable in the coast if they got a guy who's on an nhl deal there like they want him to get minutes so you end up bouncing around all over the place and that just sounds horrible now so i'm just so so fortunate to i'll be able to get my degree after spring here and I want to stay in hockey. Like one thing business schools taught me, like I don't want to do any business. So I just like want to keep involved, like in the game somehow. So, you know, it just, like I said, team sports in general, and I'm just super fortunate that I can have a degree put on my resume. Well, I, and Kevin was talking about this too, with a lot of kids, I think out of junior, they, they don't realize how tough, like even the ECHL guys is a tough, not to crack like that like you, you can't just walk into the echl and expect to be a top six forward like you know th there have been good really good players junior captains guys that have won memorial cups and been factors on their teams that have gone into the echl you know expecting to make an ahl team but they can barely crack an echl roster so i know you know brendan uh physically i know you've had to deal with some injuries but i'm sure you've seen it with a lot of teammates like they're more prepared for high level echl or ahl or i mean in jason fram's case khl hockey they're more prepared for that than when they came into school right for sure and it's just it's weird how hockey works where it's not like ncaa in a lot of ways like ncaa football they guys don't come out after they can't they're not allowed to come out and out of the draft until they're done three years of football in, in university so um the unfortunate part with hockey is it almost seems like if you're not peaking at 18 years old then you're not going to get to play pro which you know university hockey does a great job like a guy like luke philp he was a, i played against him in junior and he was always like one of those players that players knew how good he was but he was kind of hidden in kootenay and he, he had a couple other really good players on his team so you know how good is he is he just playing on the line with sam reinhardt or does he actually put up like a lot of points and then he had a couple injuries too late in junior where if there wasn't university hockey to like catch that guy and who knows where he is right now? He could be uh, selling insurance. Like he, meanwhile, he comes here, he develops a little bit, he gets healthy and he just, he just matures. Like, you know, it's not crazy for a guy to hit full maturity at 22, 23 years old. And then, you know, he dominates this league. He gets a NHL contract. And then he was really dominant in the AHL this year where he was uh, one of the best players in that league. So 
it, it's just, uh, you know, this is a perfect league, especially for guys like Philper or Frammer, who uh, they still have some growing to do. Like, they're, they're just not quite in their man bodies yet. And all of a sudden, they, they you know, they hit their stride. And without university, university hockey, uh, those guys might not get the chance to play in the NHL. Well, I think that's a pretty good note to end it on, guys. It's uh, a pretty good league for broadcasters, too. I've managed to, to make somewhat of a living out of it. So, although here I am, unemployed, 24 in my parents' basement. So uh, I am truly living the dream. But, hey, thanks so much, guys. For I know there's probably not a whole lot going on for you right now, but thanks anyways for taking uh, some of your time out to, to do this. And uh, all the best to you guys in the future. I think we, we managed to make it out of this alive. That's, that's a full hour plus of podcast content. It's, yeah. uh, that's not too shabby. Well, uh, once again, massive thanks to Brendan Burke, Nathan Trulitti, and uh, Kevin Bailey for being part of the show today. Uh, you know, guys, we might have to do this again. We, we might have to do a part two. We'll, we'll put this out there. We'll, we'll put the feelers out, see if, if the people like it. If, if the people do, we might have to give them what they want. I, I know there was some pretty good buzz uh, leading into this podcast, so hopefully it, uh, it has lived up to the expectation. But I can tell you this. I haven't censored anything. Everything you've heard today is completely off the cuff. This is 100% uh, unfiltered on the Breaking News and Kraken Brews podcast. So thanks so much, guys, for being part of the show today. Thanks for having us, buddy. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, hope to do this again uh, next week. Still working on a, a couple guests for the show, but uh, let me know what you think about this format. I know it's, it's not what I've previously done over the, uh, or, or, uh, uh, in the past over the phone. Uh, obviously, Zoom is something I think we're all starting to use now. So uh, I might do a little bit more of this uh, moving forward. And it's been like three weeks since I've last done a podcast. So uh, I'll be making up for some lost time, hoping to have a new show uh, coming out next week. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, farewell and good day from Oshawa. <laughs>